you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. The floodwaters are rising. The floodwaters are rising. I can't imagine how those words must have sounded to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 8. As he heard that message from God, the floodwaters are rising. Here was the words, here were the words spoken to Isaiah by the Lord, starting verse 5. The Lord spoke to me again because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and rejoice over Rezin and the son of Remelah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all of its glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all the banks, and it will sweep on into Judah. He says, look, because you have rejected your God, this is what the prophet is hearing from God about the people the people of Judah, because they have rejected their God, that gentle flowing river. And they have turned to other sources of water, like the great Euphrates. That great Euphrates is going to rise up and it is going to swamp them. I can't imagine what Isaiah heard in that moment. Really, in the text, if you were to go through the text, you would see basically three crises that are coming. The first one is figurative, we know, but in the text, he uses the, the text very literally, says there's a natural flood coming your way, a natural disaster, and it's heading to Judah. But the text also goes on to say that there is a for an adversary coming, the Assyrians. You see, the Assyrians are going to come, they're going to rise up, and they're going to swamp you. They're going to destroy Judah. And hidden in the text there, if you look through, you'll see the word conspiracy a little bit later. There's also a domestic threat, a treason that is coming. You see, the political leaders are now giving in to a moral corruption and a political corruption within the nation itself. And here's what he says, the nation won't stand. It won't be the same because a storm, a flood is coming and is going to sweep you up. I got to tell you, when I hear those words, I think to myself, not a lot has changed in several thousand years. Seriously, when I hear those words, I think not a lot has changed in several thousand years because I feel like I'm standing here in this world with the fear a flood is coming. A flood is coming. And it takes the form of maybe three different crises. The first crisis being natural disaster. I, I, I would turn on the news and I see the floodwaters are rising. I look at Florida and what's taking place in Florida. In California, we have the opposite extreme of drought and wildfires. 
and the, the weather and the storm that's impacting our nation. I think about natural forces like COVID. And it seems like just about every day there's a new natural force facing us. Yesterday it was monkeypox. Today it'll be something else. Always something new. And of course, that doesn't count for the things that we've known about for years, like cancer, mental illness, just the flu. In this world of mass media and news, you can't help but see the crisis just around the corner every single day, natural crisis. But it's not just natural crisis, it's foreign crisis. Foreign crisis. I turn on the TV and I learn about the nuclear threat of Russia. I see the economic threats of China. I see threats to our resources like with Saudi Arabia. And I see South America bringing its own immigration crisis. And when I look at these threats and these crises, I feel fear. But it's not just natural and it's not just foreign, it's also domestic. Moral conspiracies, conspiracies on values, values in America, conspiracy towards our institutions as we think about the shifting tides in our institutions, things that we used to hold dear, like education and marriage, institutions being challenged. And I think about the conspiracies politically as we question votes and elections as we question laws that are being made or that have been made, and as we look at leaders, the domestic crisis is all around us. And I question the fact, is the message of Isaiah still relevant? And I believe that it is. Now I want you to know, as Isaiah speaks to his audience about these crises that are coming. It brings with it natural fear. And we know how historically people have handled fear, and we know how we handle fear, and how science tells us or, or psychological study tells us how fear is handled. We know the first thing the history and, and even our own lives tell us is that there's fighting that will take place. You see, people respond to fear with fight, don't they? People draw sides. They draw lines in the sand, and they even draw swords. When there's a crisis coming, we want to fight. Or perhaps it's flight. Running, fleeing, hiding, escaping, deserting retreating, abandoning, and withdrawing. If it's not fight, then it's flight. And if it's neither of those, then people tell us that it's freeze. And history has shown us to be, this to be the case. People just curling up and checking out and giving in results to fear. And here's Isaiah standing there before God asking this question, is there a better way? Is there a better way? Is there any option available to us besides just the typical response to fear? 
And as I look in the text, I think about that in regard to us and the challenges that we face so often. As we look at fear in our lives, those crises that are coming, natural and foreign and domestic, we want to freeze. Maybe I want to turn on the TV and turn off my mind. I want to check out. I just want to just, I I don't know what to do, so I just freeze, I fold, I give up, and I give in, and I curl up, and I declare defeat. Or perhaps the the result or the response to fear is flight. I'm just going to leave this country. This country is just a mess. I'm going to leave it. I want to get away. I want to run away. I want to leave. I want to abandon my responsibilities and escape this madness. But who am I kidding? We are Texans, right? It's fight. I want to grab my rights and my resources. I want to stand up to oppression, to evil, to tyranny, and I want to fight. I've got to fight. What are my options? And once again, we're raising this question, is it possible that there is a better way? As disciples of Jesus, is there a better way? I want you to hear scripture say this, there is. There is. We're doing a new series called Crosswalk. And in the Crosswalk series, we're talking about the idea that Jesus has called us to deny ourselves pick up our cross, and follow him, just as Jesus did. And today we're going to talk about denying that self-walk of fear, picking up our cross, denying ourself of fear, and picking up our cross and following him. Now i got to tell you, As we talk about crucifying fear, I need to establish this at the beginning because if I don't, I know this is going to come up later. We have to understand this truth, and that's this, that fear is a God-given human emotion. God gave us fear. He gave us fear to protect us. He gave us fear, fear to help us experience this life. Fear is a good thing. Regardless of how you perceive fear or your history with fear, the way maybe your family growing up saw fear, fear is normal. It's normal. And it's one of the healthy reactions that God has given us to this world. And you can imagine how that would play out. I mean, here I am walking along and I see a snake. Maybe the first response that I have is fear freeze. And I would say that's probably a healthy response. I'm walking along, I see a snake, I want to stop, freeze, and acknowledge it's there. Maybe my next reaction or my next response is flee. Maybe I take a few steps back. Maybe I'm going to hit the, house, you know, hit, hit, hit the door running. Uh, there are some people here who would skip freeze and go immediately to flee, right? To flight. But after I've taken a few steps back and I've kind of, realize what's going on. Maybe my next reaction is fight. I grab the hoe. I grab the shotgun. And I go to town. 
It's normal and it's rational and it's good. Fight, flight, and freeze are normal, good responses to fear. But here's the catch. You see, fear must not stop us from honoring and glorifying God. Fear can never get in the way of us following the teachings of Jesus Christ. They cannot. It's possible that fear can be sin. It's possible. And when I think of fear as sin, I think of Peter. Poor Peter. He, I mean, he gets picked on all the time, doesn't he? But I think of the Apostle Peter. I think, first of all, about Peter that time that he froze. Do y'all remember that? He's walking out in the water towards Jesus, and he suddenly looks at the wind and the waves, and he just freezes, and he begins to sink. You know, sometimes we freeze too, don't we, in our faith? There are times in our faith where we're going along and there's something scary and we don't want to deal with it in our faith and so we freeze. But then there was Peter and there's times that Peter chose flight. I think about Peter as he's being questioned about Jesus. Don't you know him? And three times he denies it and he kind of walks away and he gets away. I, don't want, I never knew the man. You know, here's Peter fleeing out of fear. But he didn't just choose to freeze and he just didn't just choose flight. Sometimes Peter chose to fight. You remember Peter pulling out the sword? Going to cut off Malchus's ear? That's the right thing to do when you're scared, when you're trying, you know, you're in this moment, you got to protect and you got to defend. And here's Jesus and he's saying, disciples don't act like that. And Jesus heals Malchus's ear. You see, God has called us to crucify our choices in fear when they are a, stand in opposition to God. He's calling us to, to look at fear and say, are we walking in this self-walk of fear? Are we trusting God the way he has called us to? Because sometimes fear can lead us to sin. Well, Isaiah tells us that there is a better way. There is a better way. And so God speaks a message through the prophet Isaiah designed to show us what a better way might look like. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 8, starting in verse 11, here's what the prophet says. For the Lord thus spoke to me with a strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of his people, saying, don't call conspiracy all this people cause conspiracy. And don't fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. I want you to look at that very last verse, verse 13. The Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. What an interesting passage of scripture. He's saying, look, there's natural and foreign and domestic fears in this world. There are things that you can be afraid of, Isaiah. But you have been called 
to a greater fear. If you're going to have fear, Isaiah, here's what I want you to be afraid of. Fear God. If you're going to be afraid, if you're going to choose fear, here's what I want you to be afraid of. Fear God. Now, as I say that, that may sound crazy to you. That may sound like bad to you. And I want you to know that it hits me pretty wrong sometimes too. But we have to understand what the word fear means in the Bible. You see, the word fear here in the Hebrew text means two things. It means terror, but it also means awe. And if you've studied the Bible your life, I know you know this. Fear can mean awe. To have awe for God. To give him our admiration and our astonishment. Our respect and our reverence and amazement. Awe. So here's what God is saying to Isaiah. The solution to fear is fear. The solution to the problem of fear, fear of the world, fear of things, is fear. But fear, all respect for God. That's the answer. To be in amazement of God. Now, Isaiah spoke that message, but I want you to know he wasn't the only one who spoke it. Peter spoke it too. In 1 Peter, if you were to turn there, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 14, here's what Peter says. Have no fear of those who persecute you, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Here's what he says. Hey, when it comes to persecutions, don't be afraid, but honor Christ the Lord is holy. Stand in awe of God. In this world, there are things to be afraid of, but I want you to know, you don't have to fear them, fear God. Now, out of curiosity, where did Peter get that from? Where did he get that from? I think about those stories I mentioned earlier, Peter falling because he, he froze, falling in the water. Peter running and fleeing when he's denying Jesus three times or Peter, when he's going to chop off Malchus's ear, you know, in all three stories, you know what happens in all three stories? The same thing happens. After he's made that terrible decision, he looks up and he sees Jesus. Isn't that interesting? When he goes to, when he freezes in the water, he looks up and there's Jesus with his hand out to pull him out. When he's fleeing in, in, in denial of Jesus, he looks and he sees Jesus' face. Or here he is to go chop off Malchus's ear and it's Jesus who stops it and is looking straight at him. In all three cases, the solution to the problem is looking at Jesus, standing in awe of him. And that's where Peter got it. You see, Jesus said it to Peter as well. Here's a passage of scripture where Jesus spoke to Peter. He says, don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body. Now, that's one of the ways Jesus said it. Here's another way Jesus said it. Seek ye first 
his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't be afraid of what they fear. Don't worry about the things that they worry about. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. Which of you worrying can add a single day to your life? But trust God. Doesn't he care for you more than many sparrows? The message over and over that Jesus said, uh, Jesus proclaims, trust me, trust me. We have to exchange human fear for righteous fear. We have to exchange human fear for righteous fear. And I want you to know this, righteous fear is about trusting in God. Righteous fear is about trusting in God. That's what our crosswalk is. It's denying ourselves and choosing to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. And the message is this, crucify your fear by following Christ, trusting in him. Trusting in him. Now we ask, they ask the question, well, what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, the text is going to tell us in Isaiah chapter 8. If you go turn back to Isaiah 8, here's what the text says. Here's what the passage says. Verse 12, don't call conspiracy all this people calls conspiracy. And don't fear what they fear, fear nor be in dread. He says, don't call conspiracy what these people call conspiracy. By the way, who is he talking? I just think this is interesting. Who is he talking about? Who are the people he's talking about? He's talking about the Israelites. And he tells the prophet, don't call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. He's talking about the faithful. And he says, hey, when it comes to the faithful, don't call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. You are to be different, my prophet, my person of God. Church. Don't call conspiracy even what the body of Christ might call conspiracy. You are to fear God. You are to honor him. Ultimately, he's, ultimately he's saying we have got to plug our ears to the world's fears. We have to plug our ears. And here's what he says. Because people aren't doing this, if you go back to the text, because people aren't doing this, here's the result. He says in verses 9 through 10, Be broken, you peoples, and be, be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be, be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. He says, if you're not going to trust me, here's what I want you to know. Your world will fall apart. I have noticed this. When we call conspiracy what this world calls conspiracy, you know what the church becomes? It becomes obsessed. We develop an obsession for the things of this world, for the flesh. We live in this world so scared and fearful. We are obsessed with what this world tells us. 
Now, I got to tell you, as we see the world falling apart, it is pretty hard not to be scared. It is pretty hard not to be fearful. So how in the world is Isaiah supposed to not experience this level of fear? Well, I want you to look back at the text one more time. I think this is so interesting. If you go back to that passage of Scripture and Isaiah chapter 8, verses 9 through 10, when it tells him that, that the result of not trusting God is this brokenness, I want you to look at what, what sandwiches that passage of Scripture. Look at the very end of verse 8. If you have your Bibles, look at the very end of verse 8 and the very beginning of verse 10. The last word of verse 8 and the first words of verse 10, and here's what it says. Emmanuel, God is with us. In fact, if you were to look at this text, if you just go back one chapter into chapter 7, you know what you're going to find in verse 14? Listen to this. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and she shall call him, or he shall be called Emmanuel. God is with us. If you go one chapter forward to chapter 9, look in verse 6. A child will be born, a son will be given. He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. The text is saying over and over again, you know what's going to spare you from fear? That God is with you and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Look again in the text, verse 11, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. It's going to say it another way. His strong hand is upon me. That's something Peter is going to repeat in 1 Peter chapter 5 when he talks about anxieties. And here's what he says. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he will exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He says, look, God's mighty hand is with you. And when God talks of his mighty hand in the Old Testament, it's God's presence. And in the New Testament, we see this Jesus Christ, whose mighty hand is with us. It is his strong hand that delivers you and upholds you and redeems you and cares about you. It's his strong hand that created you, that knit you in your mother's womb that sustains you, and that calls you. And God is saying this, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You can trust God. You can trust God. You see, those who trust God know that God is greater than this world. Today, there are lots of things to be scared about, and fear is a normal reaction. When I think about the, the, the culture we live in, it makes me scared. And when you think about the culture you live in, we together often are scared, and when we get scared, we choose one of three reactions, fight, flight, or freezing. 
But I believe God has called us to faith. He has called us to trust him in these difficult times because he will not abandon us. Put our focus on him and not the things of this world. Well, I got to tell you, this one hits me between the eyes. It's a message that means a lot to me because it's hard in the world we live in. But I want to call you today to hear the message of trusting him, to crucify the fear of this world and to turn to the fear of God and trust him and keep his commandments. If you need anything from this body, we are here to serve you today. Won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?